I think it's all over. It is now. Here is Kulisevsky. Here is Kane. He scores and silences the place. Coleman caught on it by Salah, and Salah is off and running now. Catch him if you can. Mo Salah, brilliant. In the center, Kane, goal. Alatelli, Aguero! Welcome back, everybody, to the Wrong Foot Podcast. Back again to talk all things football over the last week. Here with my co-host, Joe. Joe, a uh, bit of a loaded question here, but how are you doing today? Football, give us and uh, football, take <laughs> us away. Um, just uh, not happy we're recording this on Wednesday night. I'm just yeah. very irritated. Yeah. We were we nearly recorded on Tuesday, and I think it would have been a whole different podcast uh, if we recorded on Tuesday. But we can get in all uh, into all of that. But before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, get it automatically downloading wherever you get your podcasts. Joe, if anyone is upset about their team's performance in the FA Cup or in the league or any any trophy that they're competing for, how can people get in touch with us? They can email us at the excuse me the wrong foot podcast at gmail dot com. Again, the wrong foot podcast at gmail.com. Have it. Follow us on Twitter at wrongfootpod. Check out our website, the wrongfootpodcast.com. Um, Joe, the uh, let, let's get let's start off with some silverware. Uh, I guess unless you count, I don't know if anyone does count the charity shield as the first piece of silverware of the the season. Uh, but in, in the English leagues, the first piece of silverware was handed out to Manchester United at Wembley this weekend as they overcame a spirited Newcastle team 2-0 um, I think it, it kind of mixed feelings from from what I'm reading from the Newcastle world on this I think they, they're seeing this as kind of like the first stepping stone they've reached a final uh, in, a, in the domestic kind of trophy obviously wasn't their day two quick goals kind of took it out of reach uh, Casemiro followed by a Rashford goal in the first half um, I personally think Thought going into this main night we're going to win. Uh, I'm not sure it ever really looked like Newcastle were going to win. I think you know the, the issues that we've talked about in terms of their goal scoring threat. Uh, I think it was kind of a bit evident here again. But all in all, what were your thoughts on the uh, the League Cup final that we we watched on Sunday? Yeah, so I think it was a it was a it was a fun matchup in the sense that um, both these teams we think are kind of at the at the precipice of much better times, right? United coming out of the the doldrums of the, I mean, I don't even know what kind of era you want to consider it, but, you know, it went from Jose Mourinho to Louis Van Hall to actually the opposite to uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to uh, Ralph Ragnick, and it just was all of a disaster. I feel but, like it's uh, still like the post-Sir Alex Ferguson era right like oh. i feel like that whole thing like from when david Moyes took over like i know they've had a couple of successes along the way in between but really it's just kind of hey. it's been a bit of a decline since then don't forget jose won the treble one year i believe this is true but that's not yeah. the classic not the classic treble but he won a treble <laughs> um oh and that's the one that's the one thing i'll just say before we get into the game the one annoying thing after this this conversation is already can united do a quadruple can i get a treble it's just like, Jesus, they've won one trophy. Can we relax? All right. So the EFL Cup, look, um, <laughs> I'm not like the biggest fan of it, right? In the sense that I don't, not that I don't, I just, 
to me, if you if you want a trophy, the FA you know the FA Cup is a legitimate trophy. Europa League or Champions League are legitimate trophies. Obviously, the league is a legitimate trophy. I just the FA Cup to me is it's an it's not like a little extra competition, but I don't know. I just I, I feel like you know it's, it seems like Man City wins constantly. I I don't want to devalue it. I just for me, it's not the big most important thing, right? Yeah, um, I think I think there's aspects of like when your team does well in it, you care. But like if your team goes out in the first round, like you also don't care, right? Like <laughs> it, it it's not like you're disappointed, uh, and we'll get into some of your disappointment in a bit. But like you, like you say, the FA Cup, it is always disappointing to go out of whatever round. Whereas with with this, it's like yeah, if we win it, great. But if we don't, like no one's that heartbroken. Yeah, for sure, and I think, um, like, um, I, I think the most important thing, right, is when we're looking at this trophy, how do both, how did both teams treat it? And you look at, and I think all managers treat this separate. Like, you know, Jose Mourinho famously said with Chelsea, winning the League Cup was kind of the the kind of proof of concept for him, and that kind of got everything going the first time he was right. a Chelsea manager, right? And so I think the the the, the this actually felt like a legitimate cup final, even though it's just EFL cup because of primarily the Newcastle support. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. even late when they were down two nil, everyone waving their flags and it was just a very, um, you know, this is a club who I think it was the last trophy 58 or 59. Um, yeah. they haven't, I don't think, I think Olin messages, he, they haven't been in an FA, they haven't been in an FA cup final since 1999. Right. Um, uh, so it's, it's, it's been a while. Um, and you could tell on the, you know, regardless of what you think about the, the origins of, of the new ownership, um, you know, I think it's, it's great to see a, a famous club like Newcastle, um, get this opportunity and the fans, you could tell how much it meant to them to finally get back, um, to Wembley yeah. in a final, um, to the game. <laughs> I think actually Newcastle were probably the better side for the first 35 or 40 minutes. I, I wouldn't say there was much in it, but like they did kind of have the upper hand. But the, the biggest problem with Newcastle, we've talked about this constantly, as they've kind of slipped down the the table a bit, is they just do not have the ability to consistently score. Right? They're very solid at the back, um, but when you play a team like United, who's probably going to score, they're going to be very difficult to to keep off. You know the team sheet uh the, you know the goal sheet um you know can you at least score one right <laughs> and newcastle couldn't and even even more drastically in the second half there was a large spell there i think around like the 60th minute where newcastle really like it felt like newcastle was going to score and we had just watched the um you know from uh derby right. in the scottish league final and it was a similar circumstance where celtic were up two nil and rangers pulled one back yeah. And it looked like, you know, maybe they'll get this. So that's how this kind of felt to me. Like, oh, Newcastle, I think they might actually score here and make this a little bit more of a game. Um, but they were unable to, right? I mean, they had a few chances. And um, I think um, the the winger there, what the hell is his name? Um, For Newcastle? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, how am I drawing a blank on his name? Not St. Germain, but it's something like that. Uh, Sir. Oh, St. Maximin. Yeah. Same maximum, yes. Uh, excuse me. He is diabolical. Like he has, <laughs> he has the footwork. He has the pizzazz. Um, it, you know, and and I think it was 
Dalla on United had a had an early yellow card. I don't feel like maybe Newcastle exploited that as much as they could have, but you know, they just their maximum is you know it feels a little bit different. But even he, it just it's kind of all over the place. Like I just mm-hmm. this team is in the early stages and they just don't have a consistent way to score. And you look at the other side and they have Bruno Fernandez who's great at setting up goals, and then Marcus Radford Rashford who's great at finishing, and so. Um, it's just the, it's just like the difference between these two sides. Like you can make the argument for long stretches of this game, Newcastle was a better team, but these two teams are similarly both good defensively. The difference being, like I said, United has those game breakers. They have Fernandez, and they have Marcus Rashford, and that's just the difference between these two teams. And I think, you know, this is a two nothing result. I always felt like United was going to kind of win, but that's because they have the playmakers up front. That you just believe in more than Newcastle does. Yeah, and I think like if you, if you look at the stats, so like uh, and just at a high level, Newcastle had nearly two thirds of the possession. They outshot Man United, so they had fifteen shots to Man United's fourteen. But the biggest issue was only two of those shots were on target to Man United having ten shots on target. Right, like it's <laughs> you can be shooting all day long, but if you're not even working the goalkeeper, it's they'll be happy to let you do that. Right, like and it's kind of. That was the big issue, and you know there was a lot of talk going in about the goalkeeper situation in Newcastle, uh, with with Pope getting himself suspended in a Liverpool game, and then Carrius coming in who hadn't played a game since that uh, infamous Champions League final <laughs> for Liverpool, where he had not played too well. But I I don't think he would like he wasn't to blame for either the goals. I don't think like he can blame anything on him. Um, but yeah, I think really the the true thing that cost Newcastle was that that dominant goal threat where they could just even if it's something out of nothing and like you say I think if if they'd scored early in the in the second half and just had something just to spark some form of nervousness within Man United then I think it could have changed the game completely but really Man United yes they didn't enjoy a ton of the ball um and and like you say there was a stretch where it looked like Newcastle would maybe start making a game of it but they never were able to kind of get over the hill get that goal to really Make Man United think, oh, right now they're back in it, um, and, and the, I think it was somewhat comfortable. With it was uncomfortably comfortable, I guess is probably right. the best way to word it. In the two United goals, I mean, you know, I talked, you know, obviously Fernandez and, and Rashford, and, and and Rashford did score the second goal, but that was more just him being, you know, it took a deflection. I don't think right. Harrison was really much he could have done, and it's just the ability for Rashford to get in the that space where you can get a lucky break like that, right? Yeah. And then the first goal was actually never by Newcastle, right? I mean, Grumerich, who's probably been Newcastle's most consistent performer, he, you know, makes a kind of a silly foul outside the box in a prime area. And then Casemiro seemed like just kind of not the best defense there by Newcastle on, on marking there. And Casemiro was just in front, right? And then it's like those two things make the difference, right? Especially yeah. when you're a Newcastle team that's hard of scoring, right? You have scoring off a free pick a free piece uh a set piece because you can't you know because you give up a silly foul and then the second goal because of of a great player like rashford gets it to an area where things can happen and so you know that's just the difference between these two clubs i think if you're a newcastle fan you still feel good this is just the beginning i think you're a little worried about your form in the league and then obviously this was kind of a big moment for them because if they got this trophy I think no matter what happened the rest of the year, they'd be satisfied. But right. now without the trophy and then, you know, are you going to get European football? I know you want Champions League, but those – those I mean, it's still very possible. It's just – it's not as good as the chances we thought they had a month ago. 
And so I think it's tough. And then on the flip side with United, I think if you're a fan, this is just kind of like, okay, we're kind of back. Where our you know our status has been returned. This is only the League Cup. I thought it was a funny clip afterwards. Ten Hag kind of left the trophy at the press conference by accident, and then he kind of when he's like, he's like, all right, this one's in the past. You're gonna win more anyway. So he's like, forget about this one. I do kind of get that approach. Like, I don't think they're gonna win the, the quadruple or whatever. But I mean, them winning the FA Cup is a real a real possibility. I mean, it's probably gonna be them or Man City, yeah. and then the Europa League. It's probably gonna be them or Arsenal. You know, and the Europa League is a little bit harder to predict, but, you know, they have opportunities where, you know, if you win two trophies um, and you make, you know, third place in the league, that is an unbelievable first year for Ten Hag. And I just think, you know, both these clubs should be happier. I just think Man United should be slightly more happy. Yeah, and I think it, I think we mentioned this when we were talking about the transfer windows around Newcastle, though. You know, with with the deep pockets that we know that the ownership consortium of of Newcastle have, we were kind of surprised that maybe they didn't add more attacking pieces. But I think this is just evidence again that they're going to in the summer. Like they they can't not at this point. They need to invest. Um, and I think this kind of highlighted it, and, and that's where they're going to go. But it was yeah, all you, in all, you, good game. You, Callum Wilson's a tough start if you're trying to win a trophy. <laughs> decent yeah. a nice enough you know bloke but you know yeah no not, they don't uh, like, like not you trophy say, caliber no and they don't have someone who's just gonna make something out of nothing i don't find um but anyway that was that's I, in the books trophy in the books but just just one last point olin mentioned it you know and i do think this is a good point newcastle kind of gets away with a lot of like kind of fouls and cheeky fouls <laughs> kind of shithousery and time wasting and kind of man united played it on the other you know put the shoe on the other foot here uh you know and olin mentioned that and i think that's a good point like you know we, th- we kind of like newcastle because eddie house like a nice enough guy and they play good clean football but uh there are some dark arts embedded in there too <laughs> uh and united kind of cap was able to kind of return the favor in this one yeah no for sure for sure we'll move our attention back to to the Premier League. Joe, let's start off with a positive uh, note for you. Let's talk about Tottenham versus Chelsea. Uh, um, yeah, you, know, you would have come in happy as Larry to record the podcast had uh, he recorded yesterday, or even if we've recorded about five hours before now. Um, what are your thoughts, uh, Tottenham Chelsea? Yeah, so I'll just be positive uh, for now. Uh, <laughs> it's just so nice to be Chelsea. It really is. Spurs do it so infrequently. I mean, Chelsea is really the team that is more than Arsenal. Always kind of just kicked Tottenham in the in the private area. I mean, whether it be the the League Cups that we've lost to Chelsea, whether it be when Tottenham qualified fourth and Chelsea were way out of the top four, but then they decided to win the Champions League, kicking Tottenham <laughs> out of the Champions League. Whether it be, you know, Tottenham had an outside chance of beating Leicester for the Premier League. Chelsea decided to come back from two goals down at the bridge. And it's just, you know, I think, you know, we, you know, Chelsea fans just love to beat up on Tottenham. And I, I really do think it's the team they hate the most. Uh, I think we discussed that obviously when Kyle was on earlier, uh, a few maybe probably like a month or so ago at this point. But uh, I do think it's true, and I think this game kind of had uh, had a major incident, a major flare up in the first half, which is just kind of uh, bollocks. But I think the big thing for Tottenham is it's just they so rarely beat Chelsea. It's always nice to beat Chelsea in any form. This is kind of the team that always trips them up, and it's so nice to beat them. Chelsea obviously right in the dark and. Look, the biggest thing is Tottenham beat Chelsea, right? So that's the positive. If you're a Chelsea fan, um, 
I think one of the easiest way ways to get yourself fired is losing to Tottenham, right? <laughs> and not only did they lose, they didn't really like you know this is a Spurs team I've watched all year. They've given up four to Leicester. They've looked vulnerable at times, uh, especially against you know what should be top level competition, especially teams that can attack. And Chelsea almost there were maybe two or three Jean Felix, you know, chances that they had. One or two were blocked by Dyer, and then one he just kind of hit right at Fraser Foster. But even when Tottenham were down, what got the goal? I was expecting a response from Chelsea. There really was nothing. So like, we you know I I still think Grand Potter's a good coach. I think if you've looked at his tenure, you know, in Scandinavia or, or with Brain, he kind of starts off slowly and the results build on themselves. But when your team's not really fighting, especially in a London derby, that's very worrying, right? And there's just it, there seems to be something off. There's like a bunch of moving parts with Chelsea. Um, you know, there's the style of play. It looks good for a little bit, but then it doesn't. And there doesn't seem to be the fight. There doesn't seem to necessarily be like a respect or a belief in Potter. So I think Chelsea's like, you know, I think Potter has a little bit here. But I mean, I think it's really getting to... Uh, put up or shut up time because I think um, they're just they, they just they, they don't look like they have like a they don't look like a cohesive unit in any way. Yeah, I think I was fully expecting Potter to be sacked before the end of the weekend, <laughs> like after this result, and not just the result. Like results can obviously be deceptive, like but just how the game went. I think Chelsea maybe were good for the first five ten minutes and and seemed to have a bit of life and energy. And other than that, I just to your point, like. I don't think there was ever a time when I thought Spurs would lose. Like maybe a draw, like maybe especially like the way the first half went, and, and we'll get onto the kind of the scuffle that happened just before the the end of the first half. But like it seemed like yeah, maybe they can kind of make it scrappy enough that it ends up nil nil. But like I never felt like Chelsea would ever going to score in this game. Like I just didn't. And I think once Tottenham got the goal, perfect time to score. Come out of half time, guns are blazing. Get the goal, and then it was just. Yeah, I feel like that killed the game. But let's talk about the the issue, the the, the ZH uh, red card, non-red card, just a yellow card. So what happened here was there was a bad challenge by ZH. Kind of, I think he was just trying to break up the play, basically. Classic kind of attacker challenge just to, to stop any counter-attack or anything like that or like any quick movement. And so, so the ref has got a yellow card in his hand for ZH at this point, right? So keep that in mind. So he's going to get booked for this challenge. Then, you know, Richarlison does what Richarlison does best and just be a knob that winds people up. And a whole scuffle ensues. Um, And at one point, uh, ZH, I can't remember who, was it, uh, who was it that he actually hit or slapped or whatever he did or didn't do? Uh, Emerson Royal, wasn't it? Yeah, Emerson Royal showed up at one point and, and Zayech raised his hands, um, kind of a bit of a push to the face, slap, whatever. You, like from one angle, it looked like a punch, but then, then it really wasn't. So after some deliberation between the referee and, and one of his uh, linesmen, they decided it was a red card. So, okay, he's raised his hands to the face. Fair enough, red card. So in steps VAR, as they like to do, say, I think you might have made a mistake, you want to review this, sends over the referee to the sidelines, watches the video, and he's like, okay, it's not a red card, but it is a yellow card. 
Now, my question is, is it a yellow card for the challenge or is it a yellow card for the scuffle at that point? Because if it's a yellow card for the scuffle, then he should have just received two yellow cards anyway because he was about to get booked for the for the challenge and therefore he should have just been sent off anyway. I, it just didn't really make sense. <laughs> I, I think he should have probably been booked for the challenge. But like, It should have been two yellow cards as opposed to a straight red and I know that has implications in terms of like how long his suspension is and, and things like that. So fair enough, give him the two yellow cards. But the foul was a yellow card and the ref had that in his hand and then yeah he pushes someone in the face whether there was a ton of force whatever it's like you, you, you can't touch another player's face like that, that's just the rules like that's at least a yellow card and he should have been sent off what are your your thoughts joe i know you weren't very happy at the time with what was going on but is have i have i depicted it well of kind of what happened and and what you kind of believe should this shouldn't have happened yeah, I guess. I think the one thing, you know, I I, I think that the yellow card was was going to be for both uh, Ziyech and Richarlison. Mm-hmm. But, and, and, the, and this is the thing that's weird, right? He has the yellow card out, and Richarlison never gets a yellow card. Right. So if, if he's going to, who's that yellow card for if Richarlison never got it? So it has to be for Ziyech. And then you're saying that, you know, the, you know, it, you know, it hit his his. It was you know forceful. It was kind of to his shoulder and it hit his face. What the true, um, you know, goal of that we'll never know. But like that's a yellow card. So my my question is just like, is it, who's that first yellow card when he was taking it out for? You don't just take right. out a yellow card to take out a yellow card. So I have no understanding of how it wasn't either one straight red or two yellows. Um, in the end, yeah. it doesn't matter because Tottenham won. But I just think it's another example of just. VAR craziness and it makes things you know more complicated well yeah and like what would have happened if he'd already issued the yellow card right because the scuffle did happen like what 15-20 seconds after the challenge so if he already branded that yellow card to Ziyech then you know he's already got a yellow card on the books and then you're going to give it like I don't know it just didn't really make sense that how he kind of survived but like you say all in all it, it didn't impact the game in any way it was just kind of a bit of a mess and I'd like to kind of hear the, the theory behind how many yellows should have been given out and what was what was the yellow that was it given out for in the end given out for right like was it like maybe he's just saying oh he barely touched him so that's not but like i don't see that not being yellow so anyway but then yeah like i say come out second half your boy skip uh edge of the box pumped up drills it home uh like i say i think from there it was kind of plain sailing how are you feeling kind of coming out of the second half and getting that goal early well, yeah, it was kind of a Chelsea mistake, and I, thankfully uh, Oliver Skip, the oldest-looking 22-year-old, was able to finish it, so that was nice. Um, and then the Hurricane call, they decided not to mark him, and, or they marked him with Raheem Sterling, I guess. Uh, I don't know which one would have been more effective. Uh, and, you know, he scores, which is nice. It wasn't, like, again, I, I think it was a fine Tottenham performance, but it was it's not like Tottenham created a bunch here. It was just Chelsea were just so... They played some nice football at times, especially in the first half. They had some possession, but there's no, like, <laughs> it's just like they're focused on possession. There's no, like, will to score or, like, how are you going to score? There's no real crosses that are coming into the box. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe when Mudra came in, they started to cross it a little bit more, but there's just, <laughs> there's just, they, they have no idea how to score. And they don't have, like, uh, they don't have a striker really either. So it's like, you know, they spent all this money, and yet they still don't have a striker. It's just astonishing, right? And they could use another midfielder, too. So it's like all this money they've spent, and they're still so far away. And 
you know, I think, you know, I think this, the end of the season is going to be very important for Potter. Can he get something going? Can he start to get this team to play how he wants them to play? Can he start to get, you know, the, the supporters behind him a little bit? Can he go into the rest of the year with positive momentum? Because, you know, they're still got Dorman in the Champions League, but there's really nothing else to look forward to. They're not going to get in the top four unless something miraculous happens. So, you know, it's just about building something, showing like some proof of concept here, right? And if he doesn't, I think there's a very good chance he's gone, you know, at the end of the year. And, you know, look, at, at some point you have to start getting results. Yeah. Uh, I, I know we talked about it before, but I, when uh, at the end of the transfer window, I sent you that kind of Twitter post where someone basically had the Chelsea team and it was like nine left wingers. <laughs> And like this was the case in this game, right? Like, like you say, they've they've got people who can probably create chances, but like when all of your players are that player, there's no one at the end of the chances that they're creating. And it's yeah, I think I think my biggest concern for Potter off the back of what you were just saying there is like if he can even survive, right? Like if they lose their next game, like how long is his leash, right? Can he make it to the end of the year so that any he has a chance to build? Like I don't know how much more they're gonna take with him not delivering, but. That remains to see, be seen. Um, do you want to talk quickly about the Friday night game, Fulham versus versus Wolves? Uh, uh, well, what an exciting! Tilt, <laughs> let me tell you. What a way to way to start the start the weekend. We'll get it over and done with. Uh, I think like I think this was kind of a proof of how close a lot of these teams are in the Premier League, and a, a lot of it is luck because like. I think this was a pretty even game from my perspective. Um, obviously, it finished a draw, and I, it just kind of shows that you know Fulham are having a good year and pushing for Europe, and Wolves are you know fifteen points behind them and battling relegation. But like on on their day, how much difference is is there between these two teams? Um, you know, the Wolves go one up first half, and then Solomon for Fulham in the second half scored a beautiful goal. Um, fun fact for you. Uh, Joe, he's the first Israeli player to score three in three consecutive Premier League games since Ronnie Rosenthal in uh, 1992. So there you go, Israelis getting back on the map in the Premier League. Uh, but it was a, it was a lovely goal. But uh, yeah, I don't have a ton to say about this game. You got got much to add, Joe? Uh, yeah, so I, I bet the, I bet a one-one in a nil-nil draw <laughs> because I felt like it was going to be a draw, and there's no way Wolves are scoring two goals away from home. <laughs> so you know. You know, it was looking good. You know, even when Wolves scored, I wasn't worried if Fulham was going to score too. So we got that. I don't know what the heck happened, but like the last 15 minutes of this game became like helter skelter, <laughs> and it was just like an open a game, and like both teams going for the win. I'm like, this is how I feel like every game should be, you know, because three points are just so much more valuable than one at times. But um, yeah, the last 15 minutes was just open, and both teams had opportunities. I, I disagree slightly with you. I thought Wolves were actually the better team here. Um, you know, they had. I mean unlike Wolves, they actually had more possession. Like, you wouldn't expect that to be the case. Right. Uh, I guess it was 50-50, a little bit more Wolves in the first half, a little more well, But even that, I wouldn't expect Wolves to have 50% against uh, Fulham, especially at Craven Cottage. But I thought Fulham were a good side. I mean, uh, I thought Wolves did a good job. They set up well. Um, look, in, in, like, they have talent, right? <laughs> they don't necessarily have it going forward. But, you know, I, I like Dawson and Kilman as the, on the back line. We've talked about how many times they've protected goals, um, you know, on the back line. Uh, you know, Ruben Neves is not, you know, he's a solid player. And I just think they have a lot of, you know, they don't have enough flash. And I think that's why, you know, they're in the relegation fight. But I thought they they weren't, like, super expansive. But, I mean, Fulham, 
I think their XG was like 0.5, and I thought that was pretty accurate representation of how Fulham played. Like, I don't think they really created that much, which is disappointing at Craven Cottage. But I think it's also a test to how good, how well drilled Wolves have been under um, Julian Lopetegui, uh, who's you know obviously coach Spain, <laughs> almost coach Real Madrid there. Um, so like he's a he's a you know he's a you know he's a uh, what's the word? He you know, has stature as a manager, right? So you know, I, I think what was again, I, like again, it's not breathtaking result. We can talk about the result today. Obviously, slightly more disappointing, but I think really it was just a disappointing effort from Fulham. Fulham looked like a team that just kind of maybe they're looking ahead to the the FA Cup against Leeds, or I, I don't know. I'm not sure what you know, but Fulham kind of looks a little lethargic to me. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, yeah, I think we can talk about that Wolves game that we saw today, the Liverpool game. Um, Liverpool coming out 2-0 winners because let's, let's just get the Liverpool-Crystal Palace game from Saturday evening out of the way because uh, I don't have a lot to say about this game. It was pretty dire. <laughs> it was two teams just not doing a lot and just uh, I don't think Crystal Palace had a shot on target all game. Um, they had very few shots all game and very little of the possession but at the same time I don't think it was ever a case that Liverpool really looked that great and kind of withdrew too many too many chances in this one uh, it was just uh, a, a disappointing way to I think this game was last on Saturday right like it was just a disappointing way to actually kick off 245 right let us right into um into the MLS, which we will get on onto later. Um, but yeah, I don't, don't have a ton to say. Do you have much to say about Palace Liverpool before we talk about Palace uh, about was, Liverpool Wolves? No offense to uh, Palace fans, but uh, <laughs> they're the most boring team. I mean, they just they don't offer anything. They're fine defensively. You don't even get like you know without face back there making <laughs> horrific errors. Um, the, you know, attacking wise, they just don't really have much. They just kind of do what they do they're decently coached by Vieira but they just offer nothing and you know classic nil nil uh they had opportunities in the first half they could have scored I think in the second half who, who was Liverpool they had, someone had a great chance I'm trying to look at my notes quick um Jotter? I know Jotter had a couple of chances in this one yeah um yeah it might have been Jota actually yeah he had a great chance that just you know oh, I think it was actually Gakwa had a great chance too it just missed I think it hit the crossbar just over. Um, but, yeah, I think, um, again, if Liverpool, we, we've kind of beat them a little bit to death. But, you know, they didn't offer anything. We knew Crystal Palace was probably not going to offer anything. So I wasn't entirely shocked by the nil-nil draw here. Uh, I was expecting a 1-1 draw. But, uh, yeah, just uh, not much to say. This is not a game we should spend any more time on. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll move on to Liverpool's game tonight because I feel like for large chunks of this game, it was more of the same of that, right? Like Wolves obviously would have gone to Anfield and been been happy with a point. And, um, you know, Liverpool, they had the ball in the back of the net through uh, Darwin Nunez, but got got pulled back for by VAR. And then I think it was, in, it was shortly after that, they then scored two quick goals, Van Dijk uh, from a set piece that kind of broke down and then Joe found him kind of unmarked in the six-yard box, which is kind of criminal. And then Salah with a, a nice finish as well, a nice movement in the box. But really, again, I think this game could have ended up probably nil-nil as well. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't great. I think, uh, like, 
Liverpool don't give me a lot of confidence is basically what I'm saying. Uh, they, they seem to have kind of solidified things in defence, which was being a bit of an issue. I think now it's like five five clean suits in the last six, which is uh, obviously a lot better. But then, you know, that's in the league. You then have to throw in that Real Madrid game where they look like they could have conceded about 15 goals uh, against Real Madrid. But, yeah, I think, I think Liverpool played well enough. I think Wolves didn't really ever create anything or do a lot to, to ever win this game but it looked like it was going to be one of those just frustrating games from Liverpool of why didn't we do better but then thankfully kind of that, that <clears throat> 10 minute stretch between 70-80 minutes just kind of got them over the hump and, and got them back into winning ways uh, your thoughts on, on Liverpool Wolves uh, I guess I'll take your word for it I kind of had this game uh, it was kind of like on my uh, iPad <laughs> that I barely use, and I just because I was focused obviously on Tottenham and yeah. uh, Arsenal, and even a little bit on the United West Ham game, and so this is kind of like the fourth option for me. Um, I, I actually thought, and again, I only watched a little bit of it, so I don't want to you know extrapolate too much from. It, but I actually thought Liverpool looked better than they have much of the year. I thought they actually had created a decent amount. I thought Darwin Nunez looked pretty electric. Um, obviously, solid. You know, found the back of the net there for you. Uh, after Virgil van Dijk scored. But, um, yeah, I thought, you know, like the scoreline, especially because it was nil-nil in the 70th minute, it didn't look great. But I, I was actually kind of encouraged by Liverpool's performance, especially against, you know, a team like Wolves, who I think is just very hard to break down. We saw Fulham, we just talked about on Friday night, how, how much they struggled at home to break them down. I thought Liverpool was actually creating a good amount of chances. I thought... Um, they looked good whenever I was watching it. So maybe when I wasn't watching it, they just weren't doing anything. But, um, yeah, I don't want to – like I said, I didn't watch too – I only watched bits and pieces of it, so I don't want to take too much from it. But I would I would be a little – I would be slightly more optimistic than you were. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm, I'm overly harsh just based on kind of the disappointment I've endured this, this season so far. Oh, oh what a difficult life you lead. <laughs> so much, yo. We won a Champions oh, League. Oh, we made another final. Well, exactly. Oh, we when, won the when, Premier League. When, oh, when, we won the League Cup. Oh, we won an FA Cup. Oh. When that's when that's the bar. When that's the bar. Oh, like, oh, you know. that's the bar. <laughs> yeah, it was you... the bar for like twenty years when he didn't win Jack crap. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. About yeah, that is anyway, true. Well, well, you guys were back... stuck on. You guys were stuck on what? What number for a long time? Uh, what was it eighteen? Yeah, yeah, stuck for a long time on eighteen. Yeah. Was it since ninety one or ninety two? Yeah. Yeah, now no, now you no. now it's a disappointing year. <laughs> now now it's back to another thirty year drought, oh. but that's fine. Well, oh, you at least got what you got. Jesus, exactly. I'll take one year of that. Never mind five. All right, let's uh, let's go back in time to to Saturday now, and we'll talk uh, talk the the ten a.m. early or well, three p.m. local time games. Um, first halves were, were, were pretty dire, right? Like, was oh, there any goals in the first half? Uh, again, we've talked about a lot of games so far. I mean, I think Newcastle United was fine, but all these other games were like not good. I mean, Chelsea Chelsea Spurs had the flare up, which kind of made it exciting um, for like twenty minutes. But I mean, th- this was kind of a rubbish week of football, for being honest. <laughs> yeah, all four of the the afternoon morning kickoffs were were nil nil at halftime. Arsenal did have, well, I think Arsenal and Leicester both had goals this round. <laughs> Leicester's was obviously offside. Arsenal's was a bit more controversial um, off the back of. Ben White supposedly fouling uh, Ward in, in the box that made him punch it 
weekly to Trossard to score a beautiful goal, but apparently the ref didn't like it or, or VAR didn't like it anyway. Um, I want to I want to touch on Lister in a second about their FA Cup performance as well uh, and how bad their back line is. But in this <laughs> game against Arsenal, right? They're playing at home. How, what do you think their XG was? Probably point zero zero zero. I don't know. Did they... It was point zero two. <laughs> that is hard to do. <laughs> well, like I said, did they even have a shot on target? No, uh, no, no shots on target. One no. shot all game, and it was yeah. like in the, it was like the eightieth minute or something. Like, like just... I say, in the first half they had the ball in the back of the goal in the back of the net. But like, I yeah. I bet both teams to score in this one, and it was just like, oh my god! After twenty minutes, I said, what did I do? I think Leicester could have played for a hundred and not even a hundred and eighty. They could have played for yeah, and they still wouldn't even. They, maybe they have a shot on goal. I don't know, but I mean, just and like I've, we've talked about, and I okay, will talk about when we talk about their FA Cup match quickly. They're just they're horrible at the back, but usually they attack well. And this was just like a dire. I mean, they like it was just horrendous. Like you would not. This is like the performance you'd expect from like a League Two side in the FA Cup or something. They just created nothing. This was all, and it's not like Arsenal was like, you know, ringing from goalpost to goalpost, you know. They scored and they had possession and they looked fine and, you know, whatnot. But it's not like this was like a, an Arsenal team we were thinking, what the hell are we going to do with them? Like, it was a solid Arsenal performance, don't get me wrong, but just, yeah, just they, only, uh, they only had two terrible. shots on target themselves. And I think coming into this, like, you know, we talked about the Villa game. Arsenal obviously ended up winning winning 4-2 and you know they, they've had some not great performances lately this game like if we it's your kind of you being happy if we'd recorded yesterday i feel like if as my outlook on arsenal would have been more doom and gloom if if they hadn't had the game today <laughs> which we can talk about in a second um because i think like you say leicester were creating nothing but arsenal like still i feel somewhat struggled to beat them it wasn't like they put them away early and just controlled the game and didn't like were playing at a walking pace it's like the first half they couldn't find a goal get the goal quickly in the second half but like i don't know i wasn't blown away by this arsenal performance whereas you kind of fast forward to tonight and they obviously kind of take care of business against another poor team in everton and uh and take it four nil uh, kind of two quick goals before half time, and and this is more of like the Arsenal that we've kind of would expect, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, and more doom and gloom for Everton. It's not been a great week for them. Um, we've talked about their form needing to be good at home. Started off the weekend losing two nil uh, to Villa at home. I think that probably was a little bit harsh. I think Everton were probably better than. A 2-0 defeat here in this one I think it was maybe a bit more even um, if not kind of a bit of daylight robbery from, from Villa and Villa will obviously take it but um, yeah it's kind of back to back games now not scoring in in, con- in consecutive games and, and just looking kind of lifeless or whatever but kind of thrown a few games at you there all at once Joe but your thoughts on the, the Arsenal Everton game and then the, the Everton Villa game as well well first on the Arsenal um the Arsenal Leicester game. I think you're actually being right. a bit too harsh, uh, as you like to be. Uh, <laughs> you demand perfection. Exactly. So I disagree with. I thought that was actually a very encouraging Arsenal performance because they didn't have their best, and they never looked like they were losing away from home. And look, you're not going to have your best 38 times a year, 
Uh, we we can talk about almost every team. If we looked at the last two games, there's going to be even within a two game span, there's going to be a bad performance in those just those two. And you know, I think if you're an Arsenal fan, like it wasn't vintage Arsenal, but they won away from home and they never looked like they were c- going to concede. So I think you have to be happy with that. Now this Everton game today, I think this is more like you know, especially attacking wise. Uh, well, we, I mean, Everton had, you know, look, it, it's tough to judge anyone's defense against Everton because Everton is just one of the two or three teams in the league that just cannot finish, and they just have nobody up front. So I think Everton actually, the, the defensive performance from Arsenal, uh, specifically in the first half, was actually weaker. And it was like, you know, I think, and, and this is what I like about Arsenal, um, his chances to win the league this year, that game against Leicester, they weren't great attacking-wise, but they were so solid defensively. And then today at home, they were kind of not great defensively, and they allowed for chances, but they were so great attacking-wise. So it's a team that's showing you two different ways to kind of win, which I think is very important if you're going to win this league. So I think, you know, if I'm a gooner, I'm very optimistic. You know, you get six points here, you continue to right the ship. You know, you have a little bit of a cushion now uh, at the top of the table, and I think you have to be very pleased with where you are. You're way too kind, Joe. I, I expect more from my my league leaders, but that's that's fair enough. I, I completely appreciate everything you're saying. Um, yeah, true, everyone. I expect the best from everyone. But uh, yeah, just before we move on to some of the other games on Saturday, the Everton Villa game. Um, like I say, I feel like it was a bit. Everton weren't as bad as two 0 in my opinion, and I don't think Villa were as good as two 0 in this one. But what are your thoughts on that one? I think this is a really this is the result when you're looking at Everton is the one you can't have, right? Mm-hmm. When they're at home at Goodison, you have to you have to produce because they're they're just not good enough away. They can't score, and then when you're away, your defense tends to be a little bit weaker. Um, you know, I think the Villa game. I think you were kind of dead on in the sense where it was it wasn't really a two. I thought it was a very even game. I just think you know. Villa just kind of, if you look at almost every stat, it was a pretty even affair. The the difference was Villa just took their chances and, you know, Everton did not, right? I mean, uh, Ollie Watkins, what a solid player he is, you know, uh, just always seems to be getting on the score sheet or is whenever Villa does something well, it's usually because of him. And I just, you know, Everton doesn't have a player like that. And I literally think that's the difference between these two teams, right? I don't think this was a great defensive performance from from Everton. I think we saw much better against when they played Arsenal at Goodison or when they played, was it Wolves last week they won? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought those performances were much better defensively, uh, much better than this particular one. Um, you know, that new manager bounce might be starting to wear off a bit. Um, but yeah, this you know the Everton result. Look, <laughs> Everton is going to go to Arsenal in their current state, and they're going to get badgered more often than not. But this game against Villa, even though it was an even game, when it's at home, you have to at least get a point out of it, especially when you're playing another team that might be in the relegation hunt with you. You can't be squandering these opportunities at home, and they did. And you know, if if you look at the odds, it's the third most likely team to go down, right? And that's not where you want to be. I think it's going to be nip and tuck, but I think, you know, they had a few good results, right? Against each, they got six points in their first three matches. This is kind of these, this especially this Villa game. I think it's kind of a way you get to call. Like, we are no by by no means out of this. We are right in the thick of this, and we still have to play better if we want to stay up. 
Yeah, and it, it, it's 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 the perfect result where it's like, you know, people talk about these six-pointers and stuff like that, and it's like, this meant the Villa are then ten points clear of the drop zone in Everton, whereas, you know, it's a very different story if, if, if Everton can get the result there, and that's why it's so important. Um, you know, Villa, yeah, they're in 11th, but before this game, I don't think they were by any means out of, out of the trouble, but this has just put such a gap now that you think... Villa are probably safe just based on how many poor teams there are below them, and they're not all going to be able to overtake them. But also, it's just yeah, it's it's opportunity lost for for Everton. But the new manager bounce was probably true for Leeds United. I think you texted me before this one asking me when was the last time Leeds won, and it was a date in November prior to the to the World Cup. It's been a while since uh, Leeds had had won a game. Um, and this to, to your point around the games you need and results you need at home against bottom of the table you've got to win this and they did 1-0 um can't say i paid a ton of attention to this one um but you know they get the job done what were your thoughts on on the Leeds southampton game beyond southampton looking terrible uh, i mean uh, just just quickly i mean i know i've badgered this to death but when james ward prowse is not scoring <laughs> a free kick this team cannot do anything he nearly scored um, from long range. It wasn't free kick, but he tried to sh- score from outside the box. I think that was be- their best chance was from about forty yards out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I mean, I watched Leicester play, so I can't criticize anyone too harshly uh, based <laughs> on their ability to score. But yeah, this was just this was not good. Uh, th- these look like two teams that could very easily get relegated. Southampton, just whether they have Nate Jones or uh, no manager or Jesse Marsh, whoever you want to put in there. Um, they're just not good, right? I mean, uh, they're just not good. Um, and you know, leads were not like breathtaking by any means, right? This is a this is a result they had to get three points, and they did. Yeah. Um, and you know, <laughs> of course, as you would expect, the left left back scores for them. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't even think it was inevitable that Leeds were going to score. Like, it didn't even feel that way. You know, like, you always felt like one team was going to win it. It was going to be Leeds. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was not a good game. I mean, no. it, and, and, and the thing with Leeds, and it, it's so frustrating. And, like, maybe I'm slightly biased, right, because I'm looking at this from an American point of view. And, obviously, they started Brendan Aronson. They started Tyler Adams. They, they started Weston McKinney. Jack Bamford is not, like, an electric striker, but he's a premierly quality striker. And to have that kind of talent, and they play good football, and you can see it especially from Weston McKinney, like outside the box, you see some like very flashy passing, and like ooh, you know, ooh and ooh and ah, and you kind of like oh, I kind of see something here. But at the end of the day, they just can't score, and and it's like it's different than like a, a like a Wolves or an Everton who can't score. Because, and they're not even really capable of playing, you know, nice having nice periods of possession. Leeds could do that. Uh, it's almost like a like a very poor man's Chelsea in that sense, where like they have the ability. It's just there's no like <laughs> there's no like attacking like knowledge. It feels like like it seems like their attacking IQ is like in the gutter, and <laughs> it's just frustrating because you see the signs. You're like this is like a this is a team that probably should not be relegated. Like based on how they play and based on their ability, it's just they don't get the results. And you know, got Jesse Marsha. I mean. Got Jesse Marsak and uh, who knows who else? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, 
yeah, I think we've we said enough about these teams. I wouldn't be surprised. Like this, this result gets leads out of the bottom three. Just I, I think it's going to be be a battle, and it's just uh, yeah, I I wouldn't be confident with Leeds that you can kind of scrape a victory against the Southampton team because yeah, I think I think they're very very bad. But another couple of teams that are in and around the bottom um, were playing a boring game until four goals in about 15 minutes <laughs> made it somewhat exciting West Ham taking care of business at home 4-0 over uh, a disappointing uh, Nottingham Forest team uh, Danny Ings scoring twice in two minutes uh, and kind of proving why they went out Danny Ings yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's kind of you know I don't think people were really expecting that move in the January transfer window and uh, here we are and uh, it's definitely kind of paid dividends in this one um, and we've kind of what I would say was the same goal twice, like on repeat in in two minutes. Like it was almost like they were just showing a replay. Like it was close enough that it could have just been a replay. Um, it was kind of weird. Uh, and then Declan Rice was kind of like a nice run, driving run, as you, you often see from him from from getting the finish. And then Antonio, who didn't quite have the same shooting boots on against uh, Man United today in the FA Cup, but kind of capped it off in the 85th minute. But I think uh, it was a fun 15 minutes, but I, I don't know if it was the, the best game in the world uh, outside of that 15 minutes. And I don't think it was um, that uneven outside of this 15 minutes either. I think it, it almost seems like not Forest just kind of went to sleep for 15 minutes and, and West Ham just found a burst of energy and, and took control and got the three points, which uh, got them out of the relegation zone for now as well and pulled Forrest way back into it. And they're only, I think, four points as it stands, clear of the drop zone um, and, and struggling to to string together. They strung together a couple of results, but not kind of continuing that form against the team below them. But your thoughts on the, the West Ham Forest game, Joe? Yeah, so again, I'd I like to disagree here a little bit. Um, now, I may be slightly biased because I bet West Ham second half and I bet them <laughs> to score over one and a half. But I feel like in the first half, they were the better team. They just didn't score, right? And I almost felt like the, the kind of waiting for the dam to break. And like Danny Ings, Declan Rice, Miguel Antonio, those are three guys that, that like, if you have a solid back, you know, you know, a solid defensive, you know, squad, which they do, that should be enough to stay up. Like, West Ham should not be in this relegation battle. Like I feel similarly that like to how I feel about like Leeds. Like they're 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 almost seemingly too good to be as bad as they've been. Right. Um, and like you got to obviously look at David Moyes. You got to look at you know because when you have this kind of talent and you're not producing, it's you know this is a team that was what in the Europa League semifinals last year. Like yeah. you know like you know this isn't a this is you know this is a quality team in the sense of of their ability right and they don't perform that way and like this game i felt like it was a good solid performance they were kind of waiting for the dam to break and it kind of broke spectacularly there in the second half with three goals in less than 10 minutes and then a fourth just after that um and you don't see that kind of outburst from west ham hardly ever um but yeah it's just like this is kind of more like just an, a reminder of like it's kind of annoying if you're if you're a hammer because like why are we in this mess like we're good. Like we have the ability, we have talent. When you know, whether whatever you think about Declan Rice and his decisions that he's made, and you know the countries to support. I mean, even Thomas Suchek or um, you know, uh, I say Paqueta, but that's not what they say. What do they say? Pakata. I think Paqueta, they say they say yeah. Pakata. Yeah. 
I mean, this is a guy who was starting for Brazil. I mean, they have Fabianski, right, and net. This is like this is a a quality West Ham team that they're just not getting enough out of. So maybe this will be kind of the catalyst for for more results. And I think they're going to stay up because I just think they're too talented not to. But like you know, we're two thirds of the way through the season and they're still in this mess. It's just it's kind of staggering. And I, I hope for West Ham supporters, uh, you know. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I hope for their sake that they get this together because th- this is not a team that should be fighting for relegation. No, I thought um, Ben Rama played really well in this. He definitely stood out, kind of his creative creativity and kind of movement on the ball. And Another guy. Getting getting two assists, um, but I think he was definitely... It, those are the kind of players I think have been lacking the form. Because like you say, this really is pretty much... I know we just talked about Danny Ings coming in... in in January, yeah, but just like, look at their front six. I didn't mention Josh Bowen, yeah. but yeah, him too. Like this is a quality team. Yeah, and it's the same team that had success last year, yes, right? Like yes. and did well. So I think it's. I think these are the kind of games that will help. I yeah, maybe I was harsh on on outside of the fifteen minutes, but you know, I think, I think what like them not being able to score was kind of the story of this year so far though right like they yes they can look good because of the players they have but they're not getting the results and outside of that 50 minutes it kind of you know that's a a big kind of what if that doesn't happen because obviously they did score four goals um but i think it was just like more of kind of what's got them and kept them in and around the bottom uh of the table and Thankfully, like you say, it was a bit of a floodgates open, uh, broke down the dam moment. Um, but it was it was looking concerning up until then. Um, yeah, I mean, their goal difference is only negative six. That's not great, but that's not like relegation. Like, that's just a team that's that's not getting the results that they should. Yeah, it's like the best in the bottom half. Um, apart from yeah, them and Leicester City. Somehow, somehow but Leicester, Leicester City, <laughs> it's clear what the problem is. They've given up... <laughs> 42 goals which is yeah. more than anyone besides Bournemouth like it's clear what their issue with like yeah. West Ham was only on 23 goals which you'd say is their issue but like yeah, like they're not letting you know. it out either yeah uh, yeah and then we got one last game to talk about uh, in, in terms of the Premier League which uh, saw Man City uh, again, talking about uh, Danny Ings scoring two, two of the same goals like I could be just misremembering this but I'm pretty sure all four of Man City's goals were like somewhat effectively the same of like just just Bournemouth being terrible in defense and either like deflections leading to a goal or just like passes just easily opening them up in the box uh for Man City to score four goals uh they get a late consolation they had kind of five minutes of fun I feel like at the end where Bournemouth decided to try and create some something in attack but um I don't know that this was the best Man City performance (laughs) I've ever seen but obviously it's a very typical Man City performance of let's get the job done, score a ton of goals in the process, uh, and, and keep some level of pressure on Arsenal at the top. Uh, what are your thoughts on the the Bournemouth Man City game? Um, you know he didn't play for England. He didn't really start that much. He didn't start. He didn't play that much. I don't understand what's going on with Phil Foden. I mean, like when I watch this guy play, I see one of the best footballers in the world. It just seems like he struggles as a star for City. This game, I thought he was bloody fantastic. Uh, Julian Alvarez was great. You know, Holland kind of finished when he had the opportunity to. Uh, you know, in the FA Cup, if you want to talk about that, it was Foden again. But it's just yeah. like <laughs> you look at the City team. There's so much talent, and I just don't understand how Phil. I mean, I'm talking about this team. Uh, you know. 
Kevin De Bruyne didn't even play in this game, but right. this this is kind this was kind of like a classic City performance. You know, we talked about where they just kind of got on tap and uh, they just smashed them. Uh, you know, they got the three early goals and they didn't let up. And you know, defensively again, they give up a late goal. Like I still think, I mean, there should have been a goal almost every game. And uh, you know, and this, and that's this is concerning. a form of team that like don't score. <laughs> like form of not exactly. They're like they're not the the Leicesters that can put up a bunch of goals, but also concede. Like Bournemouth are just not very good. So, so to let out that goal, I think if if I was Pep, I'd be livid at that. And I think that, like you say, that is concerning. Yeah, for sure. But they keep the pressure on and keep the title race somewhat of a of a title race. But anything else on on the Premier League before we take a quick look at the what happened in the FA Cup this week? I know that you probably don't want to do that, but I'm going to make you. <laughs> yep, sure. Do you want to rip the rip the bandaid off? Talk Sheffield United versus Tottenham. No, no, what do we, what, no, we don't need to start there, please. <laughs> Okay. We're we're gonna, start, I mean, we'll, I, listen. We'll I just want honestly. I just want to get to the MLS. I just want to bash it. So we got to get oh, this FA wait. Cup. Yeah. We got to get this FA Cup dribble out of the way here. Oh, let's just kind of talk the high points. Uh, yeah. Black, yeah, uh, yeah. My bro- my brother is a Blackburn Rovers fan. He went. He got on a train from London and went up to to watch his his beloved Rovers beat Leicester. Um, the, I, could, I we could have had him on for the Spurs uh, Blackburn, the, the quarterfinal that was never meant to be. The, exactly the what if quarterfinal. Um, uh, yeah, Leicester just looked bad. Um, I, I think like the BBC website. I text Olin this because I know that he kind of reads stuff on the BBC Sport website as well. And like they made this out to be like one of the kind of biggest upsets in in like no. the FA Cup. And I'm like, well, Blackburn are a championship team. Like they're decent. They're they're not kind of world beaters in the championship. Right? Like they're not Sheffield United or anything like that. But yeah, you know, Leicester have been terrible this year and could quite possibly be a championship team next year. Like I, I don't think it was a major shock that Blackburn oh, were able listen. to go to Leicester and win this. When Valt phases on your team, <laughs> there's never a shock. <laughs> oh my god this can i just say this Leicester back four we talked about them giving up 42 goals i think that's the second most in the premier league Th- this 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 back four is just horrific and i think Leicester have a big question going forward with with brendan rogers like are they going to keep him uh even if they survive because it looks like they're headed in the completely wrong direction um you know it was funny we talked about the arsenal game where they could not score they could not create a chance Th- this game was just like bedlam they could not they just they just made dumb errors against the championship <laughs> side at home, and this is an opportunity where if they had won this game, you know they would have been playing um, Sheffield, you know, yeah. and that's a game they could you know fancy themselves in. But no, not to be. They just they just cannot defend. Uh, they obviously started Vardy up front, who's not you know he's I don't want to say over the hill, but he's no, the he's best not behind him. <laughs> yeah, you know Stockport is not coming through that door. Um, and just like, uh, yeah, just, just a wretched performance. I don't want to get too, but it's just a bad performance from Leicester and, you know, I don't want to yeah. read too much into one FA cup result, but they got, they got their work cut out for them in the, on the premier league. Cause if they don't get it figured out there, you know, they're three points about the relegation zone. They've scored 36 goals. So that's a lot, but I mean, you know, that's more than I think Newcastle in, in fifth. Yeah, Newcastle has 35 goals. They have 36. So they're score plenty, but I mean, that back line is just horrific. Yeah. 
and then the other results yesterday, Brighton taking care of business, beating Stoke, uh, Fulham taking care of business at home, uh, beating Leeds 2-0, and then uh, Man City, uh, no no upsets here going away to Bristol City, but taking care of business 3-0 as well. Um, tonight, though, we saw a big shock, Grimsby Town heading down to the south coast, Southampton, uh, and uh, shocking them. This was probably the biggest shock of the round, obviously. Um, lead to Grimsby Town winning 2-1 uh, away at Southampton. Uh, yeah, it's always fun when these shocks happen and, you know, they get to go to... A, where are they going next? They got they got Fulham. Brighton, right? Oh, Brighton. Yeah, back to the south coast. Maybe it's, that's where they need to play, so that'll be good. Uh, Burnley beating Fleetwood Town, as expected. Uh, and then May United... A little scary against West Ham. West Ham going one 0 up, but oh, then your boyfriend. Not, not, not to get you know, not to say like I'm a United sock up or anything because I've spoken <laughs> so glowingly of this. But this is a great comeback, right? This is a team that, uh, you know, have you know coming off of a, you know winning a trophy, whatever you think of the EFL Cup, they want it. You know, going to Wembley, having a fun night, I'm sure, on Sunday night and then yeah. Wednesday night home game West Ham it's not even like a championship side that you can kind of like oh we never played them you know it's just a typical West Ham they get down a goal you know in the second half and then they just kind of like blitzkrieg them it was yeah. just tremendous stuff it was <laughs> it showed me kind of championship resolve and you know this is a team that you know this is a team that could very easily do the at least a double here right they could easily win the FA Cup because they just kind of have the that united kind of swagger is back you know and um i'd be very worried if i was anybody else there if they get a few more pieces here watch out yeah yeah and uh yeah taking care of business progressing 3-1 then joe one game left to talk about in the fa cup uh sheffield united scoring relatively late uh from from what you've told me this was not the best spurs game you've ever seen in fact i think you've said it was probably one of the worst uh in a long long time Harry oh, Kane sitting on the bench. Uh, this was they did just lose to Leicester four-one a couple weeks ago. So <laughs> yeah, but it's always different in the league. You can always bounce back the next uh, week. Whereas in this, it's one and done. They lose to Sheffield United. Sheffield United move forward to the quarterfinals, and Tottenham head home uh, without the shot of the the FA Cup anymore. Much to say about this. Like nobody needs to hear me whine and whine and whine. But all I'll say <laughs> is this: I wanted to win an FA Cup. That's all I really want. I just want at least enough because I know Spurs ever winning the league is kind of like a pipe dream, as crazy as that sounds. The Champions League, yeah, maybe they could fluke it. It's possible. Like, I think it's more possible, honestly, than winning the league. But the FA Cup, I mean, they really should have won an FA Cup in the last 30 years, right? Like, they're too good to not have won an FA Cup in 30 years. Um, And this is just another piss-poor performance. I mean... They've had performances, you know, I remember them losing to, they blew a three in the lead against Zagreb. Um, they've had wretched Champions League performances. You know, we talked about the Leicester game. Uh, they blew a 3-0, you know, a 3-0 lead to West Ham at home. I mean, there's been so many just clunkers because that's what Tottenham does, right? They give you a little bit of hope and then they kill you. But this one really hurt. I mean, last year they lost to Middlesbrough on the same round. Um this year, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Sheffield United, excuse me, um, a game they should have won. Like you know, they, there's only really United and City and, and maybe Brighton in the FA Cup. 
like we saw the draw, they would have gotten Blackburn in the quarterfinals at home. You got to lick your chances to get to Wembley. And then if you're at Wembley, anything could happen. You need to win a trophy. And they just put a disgusting performance out there, right? They don't have Harry Kane. And, <laughs> and you want to talk about a one-man team. This looks like a one-man team so badly. <laughs> um, you know, I, and I, I messaged you about five minutes and, and said there's no way this front three is scoring. And they did it, <laughs> even against the championship side. Richarlison has been terrible. Uh, Hung Min Son has been horrendous this year. He can only score when he comes off the bench. Um, Lucas Mora has been bad. He's been hurt most of the year. So what do they do? Um, he plays 90 minutes, as he would. <laughs> uh, he didn't play 90, but he started, right? Just, just. Yeah. I thought it was a kind of a crazy decision. Um, you know, they kind of try to bring the Calvary on. They bring Kane in the 65th, Kulisevsky in the 73rd, Skip in the 74th. But then, of course, West Ham scored in the 79th. Um, I was disappointed in Escar Juma. I thought he would have done at least something better than Lucas Mora. Um, yeah, it's just a team that, you know, defensively, San- Sanchez just is good for one or two just blunders a game, which is not what you want from your central defender. Uh, I don't want to go on and on for much longer, but just, um, <laughs> just I'm disgruntled. It was just... It was just another just annoying performance in a competition. I I was really hoping they would, like, if they lost United or City in the semifinal or the final, fine. But to lose to, you know, as good as, you know, the Blades have been this year, to lose with that kind of performance in the fifth round when everything was right there for you is just nauseating. It's all fair. It's all fair. Um... Joe, I want to ask your permission here to kind of change the format a little bit, and I was wondering if I can talk about my loser of the week right now as we transition to the MLS. Yeah, yeah, we can do winners and losers. I think we could just make an all-MLS edition if you want, to be honest. Well, I, I just want to talk about my loser of the week, and I just want to go on a little one of my classic soapbox rants here about oh. MLS TV, and I'm sure you have plenty to weigh on. <laughs> weigh in uh, can on I wonder, can I, before, before you kill him, and, I know and, I, and I'm willing to jump on the bandwagon in one thing. I do want to say, there's, I have two huge gripes, but I won't get to those now. I will say the, the picture quality, I guess I'll say my winner of the week is, is Apple's picture quality. The picture looks great. Like, even they had a couple of games on Fox Sports that were kind of rubbish, um, the picture. But the picture on Apple TV is so great. I think it's kind of an interesting concept where they can, you know, they have the rights in 190 countries in the world or something. Um, so even though it's MLS, I kind of see it. It's, it was a nice – it's nice to have back. It's pretty fun league. There's The defense is kind of crappy. You know, there's mistakes here and there. But it, it's a fun league to watch, honestly. Um, so I'm kind of happy overall what MLS is. But – yeah, the picture for the Apple um, showing was great. I yeah, thought that was pink dress really popped, you know. <laughs> I thought the commentators for the most part were good in terms of the games. Um, and, you know, I think it was just fun to have back. Yeah, no, the I, floor I, is like, yours. I, 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 yeah, I will just uh, add to that. Like, for, for context here, I am a Toronto FC season ticket holder. I do enjoy the MLS. I, I used to be a bit of a critic and kind of have have fallen in love with it it is a fun league i feel like there's there's good football there's bad football in it and it's kind of everywhere in between and a lot of the games you know you get to see a lot of goals and a lot of fun and comebacks and and whatnot but okay let's talk to the the apple tv of it all so as a season ticket remember i i get a free season pass to mls tv or whatever they call it mls plus 
or on Apple TV Plus, whatever they call it, part of Apple TV. MLS, so, Apple, uh, it's Apple Plus. It's Apple Plus and it's MLS TV, I think, um, is, is what it's broken down to. So they have decided to attempt a red zone, NFL red zone type uh, program uh, where they're going to have people in the studio and cut to different games as you know there's goals there's chances there's talking points whatever which i think is a good way to kind of grow the game a bit uh i know in north america the opinion of soccer is often it's pretty boring this that and the other so like yeah if you can kind of mash all all the best bits of every game when there's kind of seven eight games going on at once like i think that is going to draw more attention than just letting someone watch a, a one nil win uh somewhere but Joe, what they decided to do was have this studio panel of four people, including Bradley Wright Phillips, um, who I'm pretty sure had about seven conversations by himself while other people were talking, which was just weird. Um, but not only did they put these four people here as like kind of the the talk, like they didn't cut to the commentary unless there was a like at the specific games unless there was a goal. Um, but they let them talk throughout, which is fine. But not only did they let them talk throughout, they kept showing them instead of showing football. And if they weren't showing them, they were showing them watching the screens behind them. So you basically were watching a game behind four people stood in a studio, which like made no sense. Uh, they had commercial breaks. And yes, that works in the NFL. Um, there's stoppages in every NFL game pretty frequently after well, every play. Red Zone does not have commercials. True. There's also that, yes. And I, yeah. But like, but there is there's more natural stoppages in in sports like the NFL, whereas in soccer it's you know you play till halftime, then you can cram in as many commercials as you want, and then you come back. So they had commercials during you know what was it six games six games at once at one point, and then Seven, there was a few think, more, yeah. and because then a couple overlapped in, the, in later, and they, so they were having commercials. Not only did they have commercials to cut to the commercial break, so. Keep in mind, there's seven games going on right now. They started showing players warming up in the later games uh, instead of action that is actually happening right now. They cut to a commercial. That's great. Now, I want to be careful of how I address this because obviously what happened is that a player of, of one of the teams passed away over the offseason uh, and there was a tribute prior to his game, um, which like I think is obviously more than fair and, and great that they do that. Um, like it shows support to the, the family and, and whatnot. But instead of showing this when it happened before the game or at halftime when there's nothing else going on, they show it again while seven other games are going on and they showed it for about five minutes while, while other stuff was going on. It, it just it made no sense to me. Uh, and maybe it's I'm overcritical and I'm someone who follows football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, and have done all my life. So, you know, I will happily watch a nil-nil draw or whatever. And I don't know if this would have appealed to people who are new to MLS, new to soccer in general. You know, they just come off the back of a World Cup and they thought, let's show some interest. But, Joe, I don't understand how this set up, this system, watching through them watching. <laughs> like, what to, what what made sense, Joe? Please tell me. Look, I'll say it was the first week, but yeah, it was, it was the the 360 product was was horrific. Um, like, I mean, you mentioned it. Obviously, they're showing guys warming up commercials, which I think are a disgrace. Uh, you know, we're paying the subscription for this product. Yeah, it's a paid platform. You're gonna you're gonna drop. I mean, I can understand at halftime, but if, during the yeah. freaking game, uh, as the games are going on, I think you talked about how. 
um, Auntie and Auntie, they're just kind of talking. And then a goal goes in, and they're just kind of all over. Like, what I want, and I think it's not very complicated. The Colosso show does it for Europa League all the time. Just you have the four people on the panel. I never want to see them. You always showing a game, whatever game it is, even if you think it's the most, you know, the most high profile, most high profile game, the most, you know, competitive, whatever you want. You're always showing a game, and you're showing the call of the announcers that are actually there, not the people in the, and all those people are there to offer brief commentary and kind of move you along in the process. But I always want the picture on a game, and you transition that way. And um, I, I don't think it's a hard fix. I, I think it's something they really need to do. I mean, the commercials, I, I don't think those are going anywhere, and that's a major problem, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it just breaks up the whole flow. And then you come back from commercial and say, oh, this one scored here. And, and that's the other annoying thing. Like, it's a little different in football because <clears throat> there's more intrigue as to what's going to happen when you have soccer, like – well, oh, one team has a ball in their end. I wonder what's going to happen. You know, it's not like they're going to fire a shot 80 yards in the other direction, obviously. So I think the announcers need to do a better job of, of giving you the intrigue. Like it might be a goal, but it might be just uh, something going flying over the box. But I think the biggest thing is just, you know, keep the game on the keep the game on at all times, whatever game you're showing, and just use the feed of the actual commentators there and just – use the people as hosts just to kind of navigate you from game to game. Yeah, and I think it was... I, th- I think the Cincinnati game was one of the earliest goals when Cincinnati went 1-0 yep. up. And, like, they, they they also had, like, the scrolling scoreboards on the side, like, keeping you updated with the score. And, like, they posted the Cincinnati goal about five minutes before they cut to the game and said, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. It's like, you've had the score on the side, 1-0, for like five minutes. It's obviously going to be a Cincinnati goal. Like, And I'm not saying, like, I know with these things, it's often hard to kind of build suspense and in the world of Twitter when things are updated within seconds or whatever. Like, I'm not saying I'm, I want to be completely unspoiled, like, and, and that's not always possible, but like, it was just so untimely sometimes that they would show some of these goals or they would cut to it. And yeah, I, I feel like, the panel, I don't know, like Bradley Wright Phillips was the only one I know just from his time in, in English football, but like half of them were like there for themselves and like selling their stories. Some guy showed up at halftime and was just like all about, I don't know who he was. He was annoying. I didn't like him. He was just basically selling his story. I'm like, what is this? Uh, but yeah, and it was kind of sad because like, I was really looking forward to it. And then I ended up just watching the, the Toronto game because I just couldn't watch it anymore. Like it was just, it was... It was that bad that it wasn't even tolerable for me. Um, and then Toronto, you watch Insigne, you know, our superstar that was spending millions and millions of dollars on, get injured yet again, and it didn't look good. Uh, and then conceding two goals in stoppage time, losing three two. So it was it was doom and gloom in general. But yeah, this this th- MLS three sixty as they call it uh, is definitely a work in progress. I think it's got to be positive. Your point on the the commercials not going anywhere. I think like just do picture in picture or something like i don't think they have to make it full screen and then sometimes it was just like the mls logo for two minutes i don't know if it was the same on your feed and maybe that's because i was in canada and the ads are different or something and they don't have the same rights to all the ads so they just basically were showing me the mls logo i'm like even if you don't have the the studio panel talking like just put a game on like just roll a feed live like who cares (laughs) like just just show football when football's going on but that's my my loser of the week was that whole production and and anyone that that tried to watch it. But I am positive the MLS is back. It was a great weekend. Like I say, the 
the Toronto game was kind of like the epitome of what the MLS can be. Uh, playing badly, being 1-0 down, playing well for kind of 20 minutes, getting 2-1 up and then throwing it away in stoppage time is just classic MLS stuff. But what are your thoughts in general, as, aside from Apple trying to do some coverage of this? Yeah, let's just not reach too much into one game. Um, I think the game that stuck out the most was Seattle-Colorado. Uh, I think I mentioned it looked like Man City against Sutton United. I can't <laughs> believe how bad Colorado looked. Seattle looked good. Uh, they won 4-0. They could have won 6-7-0. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I don't want to read too much. I think MLS home field is so important. You know, we saw the late comeback for Atlanta. We saw the late comeback for Wayne Rooney's DC United, which were nice. But, um, you know, I thought, you know, in general, it's nice to get the rust off and, you know, some of the weather, some of the games, colder conditions. But, you know, it was a nice, you know, it's a nice in these early stages, right, to just watch and, you know, slowly get accustomed and, and kind of see who who are going to be the contenders and who, you know, might have some serious problems on their hands. Yeah, and I, I think to the rust-off point is, uh, and talking of Seattle, like they just played in the Club World Championship or whatever it's called, Club World Cup. So I think like there's elements of they they've already kind of started their season and everyone else is just getting going. So I, I think they looked very good, but Seattle have always been good in recent years. They were always there and thereabouts. So uh, yeah, no, I'm glad it's back. Like I say, I love going to the games. Uh, I used to not like people getting up to get popcorn every two minutes because that's not football to me. But I've kind of been able to tune that out of my mind. Um, but yeah, no, I'm glad it's back. But Joe, who was your your loser of the week? Uh, I'm going to go with Atalanta. Um, <laughs> they look so bad against AC Milan, who hasn't been good. Like, they just created nothing. It looks like top four, even without Juventus being in the picture, is slipping away. I think, you know, Napoli does really look like there's no way they could possibly bottle this. Um, so I'm going to go with Atalanta because I just thought their performance in a game that I was kind of excited for Sunday, 245. Um, it, it was just a wretched performance by Atalanta. Yeah, and how about your your winner of the week? <laughs> My winner of the week is Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, what a named, well, named Saudi Arabian uh, Player of the Month, um, <laughs> and I think that's important. I mean, you know, Messi won the FIFA Player or what was it? I don't even know if it was FIFA, but he won a Player of the FIFA, Year yeah. award. Yeah, and uh, you know that's nice, but I mean, Ronaldo's out here scoring goals in what the fifth or sixth league he's played in, so. You know, you tell me who the goat is. <laughs> exactly. I think it's part of his contract that he just like that's his award every month. Whenever, whenever he says, "Yeah, I want it," they'll give it to him. But uh, well, and if yeah. he's scoring this many goals in the Saudi Arabian league, I mean, what, is, what kind of quality are we looking at here? He's got a, it was a first half hat trick he scored the other day, right? Oh, for sure. Half? I mean, he's the best player in the league. I mean, that's hard for a thirty-eight-year-old to be the best player in any league. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. My winner. I'm gonna go with. Uh, Besiktas in the in the Turkish league. I don't know if you saw this, Joe, but they uh, obviously there's been it's been a terrible time in Turkey with the, the earthquake that obviously took took many many lives. But they uh, they had a charity drive for for children that have been affected by the earthquake, and uh, so they asked fans to bring kind of like stuffed animals and stuff to throw onto the pitch. And I think uh, it was some insane number of, of of toys that they they threw onto the pitch, which was which was nice to see. Um, and just kind of just really yeah like there's stuff like this where you're like no football can can do good as well um 
I think there's kind of turmoil within this as well um, in terms of kind of anti-government stuff that's going on there. But I think the general thing, like doing stuff with Jerry is is always good and the politics behind it we're not going to get into. But um, yeah, it was just nice to see uh, and, you know, taking care of the communities that, that these teams play within. Uh, oh, the other winner I want to mention, the United States Women's National Team winning the She Believes Cup. Uh, wasn't, you know, the greatest uh, group of teams. Canada kind of, Canada, Canada kind of in, dis- in disarray. Brazil, uh, a little bit far from their best, but uh, the U.S. women did their job. Yeah. And another loser and winner of the week is Emmy Martinez, because, Joe, I don't know how this happens, but oh. he won Goalkeeper of the Year, which at these FIFA awards, but he was not the goalkeeper of the best 11 of the year. Like, I, I don't understand how that's a thing. Like, how can you well, be the best uh, keeper? He plays for Argentina, who won the World Cup, and he was the goalie. So he's going to win awards. Which is fair, which is great. Yeah, yeah, give him best keeper of the year. But then he should also be the best keeper. Like, he should be in the starting 11, in the the, the, the best 11 of the year. Like, why? surely if someone is beating him in that lineup, that keeper is better. And I forget who won it. Probably, like, Courtois or one of those. Um, but anyway. One of those. One of those oh, uh, keepers that always knocks about with these awards. But, uh yeah anyway it was just interesting that you can be best keeper but not the not make the the best 11 um yeah yeah anyway joe uh, i think that pretty much wraps up everything we've uh we had going on last week anything anything less to say no i mean we have some fun fixtures coming up in the premier league next week obviously we have MLS week too but i mean we got man city newcastle yeah we have liverpool man united on sunday afternoon 11 30 a.m uh, Tottenham Wolves will be a little interesting. Brighton West Ham, I think, will be interesting. Um, Arsenal Bournemouth should be kind of one-way traffic. And then, you know, my personal fear: we got Chelsea Leeds. You're <laughs> going to see some beautiful football, and you're probably not going to see many goals yeah, based on two, how those two teams play. Two teams that there's not a lot of love lost between them either. Uh, Joe, if anyone wants to share their thoughts, feelings, or feedback with us, how can they reach out to us? Uh, please reach out to the wrong foot podcast at gmail.com again the wrong foot podcast at gmail.com yeah and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening i guess you can give five star reviews if you listen on like apple Podcasts and that that's still a thing people give reviews so feel free to do that uh if, depending on where you are in the, i think you have to be the same country where people leave the reviews to be able to read the reviews which has always been odd to me uh, like you can only re- read reviews from whichever Apple setup you have. But anyway, and follow us on Twitter at WrongfootPod and check out our website, wrongfootpodcast.com. Olin actually did submit another article to our blog on there uh, around the, the goalkeeping situation uh, at Newcastle leading into the League Cup final. So that's a good read. So check that out. Um, and yeah, we'll be back, back next week with us all again. And thanks, Joe. And it's always a pleasure. Peace.
Just anywhere we get the itch We're off to find the proper pitch Let's just almost get on 